Today we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit. And uh, it's going to be a little different because we're going to stick to chapter 12. Um, there's a lot of things we could say about the gifts, a lot of different roads we could go. Uh, but I picked this particular way for a reason. All right, well, let's have a word of prayer and then we will get going. Dear Heavenly Father, we are uh, again grateful to you that you have reserved a day for us to worship and to rest in your word and in what you uh, have to encourage our faith and to make it stronger. And Lord, we pray for your uh, hand of blessing over this day that as we worship you, we will do it with hearts that are humble and hearts that are prepared by the Spirit. And we ask these things in your Son's name. Amen. Okay. Well, traditionally, uh, when gifts are talked about, uh, especially in 1 Corinthians, uh, it ends up becoming a giant discussion about tongues. <laughs> and speaking in tongues and things like that. Um, and I think that's... That's important because there's lots of misunderstandings about that. Uh, there are people that believe there is a language of the angels. And that comes from chapter 13 in which Paul uses what we call hyperbole. And, um, and leads to some people's misunderstanding. Um, if you believe that there is a language of the angels, you also have to believe it is possible for Paul to have all knowledge possible in the universe. Because that comes just before that. If you don't believe that Paul is able to have all knowledge in the universe, then you also have to believe that when he says tongues of angels, he's being hyperbolistic again. Uh, what he's talking about whenever we talk about tongues is other languages. Um, other topics that I think are super important that are talked about when we talk about the gifts of the Spirit is certain gifts that have ceased because we have the full Word of God here before us. And so some, um, some of those gifts are no longer needed. And we end up talking about uh, the gifts that have ceased and the gifts that haven't. And that becomes the main topic. And I think that's important. Um, however, sometimes we miss what the whole point of the gifts are in the first place. And that's going to be our focus today because I think that that is um, Paul's concern in... Uh, chapter 13 when he talks about love has to do with the gifts um, not that love is a gift and some of us don't have it <laughs> alright well it's too early in the morning I, okay um, so, <laughs> pause for laughter nope no laughter alright yeah so uh, love is something we're all supposed to have okay that's not a gift but what he's getting at is that uh, people were using their gifts as a way to stand out and to be interesting. And it was making them very unloving. 
And so he begins chapter 12 talking about what the point of the gifts are to begin with. So let's start with 1 Corinthians 12, looking at verses 1 through 3. Now, concerning spiritual gifts. So now we have the whole... uh, The whole of what chapter 12 is going to be about. So we know that anything after this is going to be about the gifts. Now concerning spiritual gifts. Brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. I don't want you to be ignorant. I want you to have some knowledge about all this. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to the mute idols however uh, you were led. Therefore, I, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now you might say to yourself, what does that have to do with anything concerning the gifts? Well, first of all, Paul is making a contrast, and this is the first two blanks, and get your little thinnies ready because we've got a lot of things to fill in. Uh, there's a contrast between the mute idols and the speaking Holy Spirit. So before, they were trapped in this world where they were worshiping something that didn't speak. That was basically wood. It was dead. And now they are worshiping the God that speaks, and he speaks through the Holy Spirit. That's going to be important later. Um, so as we look at this, we are speak, uh, the Holy Spirit is speaking about whom? From your text. Believers. Okay, what was that? Christ, okay? So if someone says Jesus is accursed, they know that has nothing to do with the Spirit's speech. But the Holy Spirit's speech uh, is active when people say Jesus is Lord. So this is the Holy Spirit's speech. Saying that Jesus is Lord. So the work of the Holy Spirit is to demonstrate his speech that Jesus is God. If you remember, uh, Lord here is the Greek word kyrios. Um, I believe, is that right? No, okay. Um, If, I can't remember if I talked about this before or not, but um, hopefully I did. Lord is what is used in the Old Testament when the Greeks translated the Old Testament into Greek. They called it the Subtuagent. And when they translated the word Yahweh, they translated it Kyrios, Lord. And so for someone to call Jesus Lord isn't just to call Jesus in charge. Does that make sense? Or that he is our authority. It's calling him Yahweh, a God who named himself at the burning bush 
as the I am. This is Jesus. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit to speak that truth. Okay? To us. Now, why is that important? There is, in your next blank there, the unique union of the Spirit and Christ. And we see this a few chapters down in chapter 15, verse 45. So also it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. Okay? The last Adam, who's the last Adam? Christ. Became life-giving spirit. He became this. What are they talking about? At the resurrection, there was a unique union between the spirit and Christ, so that when we are talking about Christ in our heart, we are also talking about his spirit in us. Scripture speaks of the spirit being Christ's spirit. In us. There's a union there. A unique union. So that the Spirit's work is to promote Christ. So the gifts, purpose, is to speak Jesus is Lord. Okay, this is the work of the of the gifts. That's your next blank there. The gifts purpose is to speak that Jesus is Lord. So what is not the purpose of the gifts? This is foreshadowing, if I can use some literary terms. Well, I could tell you this. One of the, one of the purposes of the gift, one, one of the things that is not the purpose of the gift is to make you interesting. Okay? To make you special. Okay? It's going to have a different kind of purpose. And the speaking of Jesus as Lord is going to manifest itself in a particular way. Let's look at verses 14 forward. Or, I'm sorry, verses 4 forward. Now there are varieties of gifts. Okay, and these varieties are designed to, to continue the speech of the Holy Spirit that Jesus is Lord. Okay? There are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries, and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. Okay? So what is being said here? There's a unique unity of the gifts in the power of the one spirit. There's a unity there. Because all these different kinds of gifts that we're going to talk about later. Are unified because they're all from the same spirit. The unique unity of the ministries is in one Lord. The gifts in their variety are to unify the church as God is unified in the Trinity. 
Where do we get this idea? Let me keep reading. Um, verse 7. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the, the affecting um, of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another distinguishing of spirits, and to another various kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as He wills. And then it gives us this analogy. These different gifts are all from the same Spirit. Let me show you an analogy of how this wor would work so you can understand better. Verse 12. For even as the body is one, and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, also, uh, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we were all made to drink of one spirit. Okay, so, the effect that these gifts are supposed to bring to the church is what? Unity. Unity, that's right. So the gifts in their varieties in their variety are to unify the church just as God is unified. Right? You have the Spirit, you have the Son, and you have the Father. They are three persons, and those three persons are the one God that we worship. Christ is one with the with the body of the church. And there's even a correlation in Ephesians where it talks about how a man and wife are one and how the man and wife are supposed to, uh, are supposed to relate to each other. So is Christ to relate to us and we to him. This unity is to, is to imitate Christ through the power of the Spirit. Now, all of this sounds uh, pretty basic, but um, I will get to offending you soon. <laughs> so hold on, it's coming. All right, so the unity is to imitate Christ through the power of the Spirit. So, does it say that there are some members with no gifts? No. No. So if you are a member of the body of Christ, it's not saying there are some that have no gifts. It's merely saying that all of you have gifts and they're different. They're a variety of gifts. And those gifts have an effect on the church. Those gifts are to, uh, to affect unity. 
It is almost as if it is saying, one way to cause disunity in the church is to not use your gift or to use it in a way that promotes you. Okay? All right. Let's look at verse 14. Verse 14. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not part of the body. It is not for this reason any, uh, any the less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not a part of the body. It is not for this reason any uh, the less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole, if the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. That's important. Well, I'm going to reread that. But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members but one body. Do you see the, the correlate? I mean, he's pounding it into their brains. Okay? Um, where'd I leave off? 21. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. And again, the head cannot... Uh, uh, or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor. And our less presentable members become much more presentable. Whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked. So what are we talking about with that? Your next, uh, your next blank there. The gifts are to demonstrate unity in the members so that the weaker are shown to be even more indispensable. And what does he mean by weaker? So different, uh, if we can stick to the uh, analogy of the Bible. Um, how many would, uh, would rather, instead of getting your flu shot in your arm, you'd rather have it a flu shot in your eye? So they said, we have a new flu shot, and uh, help you out, we're going to just shoot it right into your eye. So just try to keep your eye open there. <laughs> would you say, hey, can I, uh, can I go ahead and get that in my arm? I said, oh, really? Is that, is that what you want? Would that, why would that be surprising? Why, why would you want it in your arm and not your eye? Less pain. What was that? Less pain. Less pain. So when we're talking about, but is your eye a weak member of your body? Is it weak? I mean, is it weak in the sense of it's just really not needed? It's like, 
You know I got two. So, if you lose one... I would say the appendix is pretty weak. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah it can turn on you, so be careful. Uh, careful how you talk about it. Um, so. I think when you think about the body, we are in a definition of you. Yes. To take any part of the body would be a lesser form of the body. Okay, yeah. That's so, good. So if, if you remove the eye, then it's less of a part of the body. Yeah. Remove a part of the hand, and you're removing a part of the body. And, then, and, and then here, the context is the body as the church body, right? Mm-hmm. Think of it as the church. There's not a particular part that is necessarily weaker unless it's individually singled out and removed. Yeah. So, so weak can't mean that it's not needed. Right. right. So maybe here, weak is getting to the idea of vulnerable. Vulnerable. There are members of the body with certain gifts that are vulnerable. Does that make sense? Like your eye. Uh, we want to protect it. We want to protect our eye because it's super important. Right? Just because it is more susceptible to being uh, hurt and ruined doesn't mean it's less important. In fact, as scripture says, it's more important. The weaker. Now, now in the context of the body when it comes to the church, there are members who are weaker in, in maybe maturity, maybe in spirit, maybe in knowledge and wisdom. Yeah. Are they less important? Absolutely not. Because they're even here it's saying that they are even more important. That's right. Because they are. Well, that's my question. Are they weaker because of like personality or spiritual maturity, or are they weaker because of what gift they have? Is it the gift that's weaker as a person? That's a great question. All right, you guys are doing it. Yeah, it's okay, like good. like that kind of turned on its head for me, because now I'm thinking the eye like that, maybe that's like, that's Andrew, you know? Like, he's really vulnerable in that he's like, Subject to criticism and like, um, and like, and, uh, and, <laughs> not that that's ever happened before. No idea what you're talking about. <laughs> but like, you know, I mean, he's like, he's got the spotlight, so you think that's the stronger part of the body, but like, is that really the weakest part? Because like, everything is, yeah, that's okay. So now we're on to something, right? So the context is not necessarily your personality, but the context is the gifts. Right? Yes? Is the context of this passage directly connected back to chapter, chapter 1? And how do you mean? With the, uh, the divisions at Corinth? Okay, well, um, we're going to get to that. Uh, it does have a correlation to that, but that's a little later. But yeah, you're, the way they have been using their gifts, uh, this church is a mess. Corinth. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's, and I, I, I almost didn't even go over this because I'm like, well, we don't have this problem. So, uh, but I thought, well, we're, we're already on this, and so might as well go on. Uh, so, um, so right. So the, 
The context are the gifts. So the gifts are the things that are making someone more vulnerable than someone else. The non-vulnerable ones were the ones that were speaking in tongues because they had uh, they did, they typically were not in in some kind of position of leadership, but they were able to be heard and noticed. And people were starting to say that is the greater gift. The, but Paul was saying no, that's a weaker gift. Um, not because it makes them in a vulnerable position, but just the opposite. They weren't in a vulnerable position. The stronger gifts were the ones that put people in a vulnerable position because the stronger gifts are the ones that put people in leadership. And so when we're talking about the weaker, we're talking about those that are more susceptible to attack and to problems because we don't like unity. People. The gifts are to demonstrate unity in the members so that the less honorable, that's your next two, uh, the next two blanks there, are bestowed, and we're going to get to that next blank in a minute, are bestowed in honor. The word bestowed there um, is. Uh, Greek, and bestowed is an excellent translation, <coughs> but it is interesting to know that uh, that bestowal, uh, when you bestow something on someone, you are uh, giving it over, right? Uh, for instance, if, uh, if Anna was cold and her mom bestowed upon her that little blanket, right? She would wrap her up in it. And uh, give her a kiss on the forehead, because that's what moms do. And she wrapped her up in it. Does that make sense? This is what the Greek is talking about. That bestowal is clothing someone, wrapping them up, protecting them. Does that make sense? That's the real sense of the word there. So you're in your blank there, the word is clothed. So they are clothed in honor. These people that have less honor because of the gift they were given. Who are the ones that, are, that have this less honor? It's the ones that when they speak Jesus as Lord through the Holy Spirit, they are more vulnerable in the church. Typically people given this, the, the, uh, the gift of teaching and prophecy, right? Speaking of our pastors and, and leadership. And let me tell you something about that. Uh, I have a story. Uh, it's not the greatest story because I'm not really put in a very good position in it. But uh, in a church I was at, uh, up in Toledo, Andrew might know <laughs> about this, um, there was an assistant pastor there and um, he was a younger guy, and he was a little rough around the edges. He was learning how to be a pastor. Um, he was new to the whole pastoral system, and he was learning, and he bothered me. And um, he made some mistakes, uh, like, because he's a human being, 
And I remember uh, thinking of him as an enemy. Um, I did not think of him as someone that was vulnerable because of the position he was put in. I did not think of him uh, as a younger man that uh, needed to be closed and needed to be protected. I saw him as someone that upset me. Someone that when he said things from the pulpit, even when they were true, bothered me. And it did not occur to me to be one of those people that used my gift to clothe him and protect him. That would have made unity in the church with the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given everyone, which was meant to create a unified church so that when you are challenged, And the Spirit works in your heart, and you are offended that you clothe that person who is vulnerable with your gifts. That is hard. But that is what is being expected of us with our gifts. Because what is our... Well, I'll tell you what my first reaction was. When something is spoken from the pulpit, and it doesn't matter that it's true, it bothered me, what do we do? We start picking on the person. Well, why did they say it that way? Why do they attack this way? Why are they saying that? And we get upset at the person, as I did with this young man, um... And I did not consider clothing him because I wanted him to fail. You want to see a church fall apart, start desiring your leadership to fail. When the Holy Spirit speaks Jesus as Lord through their mouth to you, uh, be offended by it. Don't submit or have your heart broken by the Spirit. Leave them naked so that maybe someone will get them or something will happen to them and vengeance will finally be paid. That's how you destroy a church. And that's how you quench the Holy Spirit. Because these gifts have a purpose of unity. If you believe that you have a gift that the the Holy Spirit has given you and you are not seeking unity in the church, then you are denying the work of the Holy Spirit in you. The gifts, your next blanks there, the gifts are intended to ensure no division, but rather care for each other. (coughs) And we see this expressed in 25 and 26 so that there be may, so that there may be no division in the body but that the members may have the same care for one another and if one member suffers 
all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. And look at verse 27. Now you are Christ's body, and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. And he literally gives the hierarchy of how this works. The apostles were to teach the prophets and teachers to go out and be pastors. And so they did. And so you see the hierarchy is starts with those, those that are the most vulnerable, but very important. Those that have the least amount of honor. How do we know that we're talking about that? Because Paul says, we have no honor. He says this in, uh, where was that? Uh, Philippians, I believe it was, where he talks about being satisfied, but also being those that are without honor. So the members uh, use the gifts, covering each other as a body, uh, compensates for its own protection. The members use the gifts, covering each other as a body compensates for its own protection from shame and harm. This analogy is an excellent analogy because this is how we live our lives. You are in a constant state of protecting yourself from harm and shame because you love your body. You all did something to your hair this morning. You all did something to ensure that you didn't stink. You all did something to ensure that you looked presentable. And some of that might even been for the Lord. But mostly, we want people not to think we're some kind of freak that smells weird and doesn't know how to dress. And so we dress nice because we're protecting ourselves from shame. We may have argued and screamed at each other all the way here, but when we got out of that car... Not today. (laughs) When we got out of that car, we're all smiling and sitting next to each other like everything's fine. Because we don't want anyone to know what just happened in that vehicle. Right? Because we're protecting ourselves from shame. And most of us, if we're wise, put a seatbelt on on the way here because we are fearful of harm. (laughs) Yes, and you live in South Carolina, which means uh, death may be coming because of the horrible ways people drive here. And uh, there's there's actually two states that are worse than us. Only two. And uh, that's sad. Okay, so my point is this. The way, we go out, the way we go out of our way to ensure that we are protecting ourselves from that harm and that shame, are we doing that to, 
to those who have been given the gifts that put themselves in less honor, in a vulnerable position? Do we go out of our way to ensure that we are protecting them from shame and from the harm of slander, from the harm of the anger of others? When we hear someone that is upset with someone that has been put in a leadership position, are we eager to protect them or are we eager to jump on <coughs> and add to the shame and the hurt of the body of Christ. The question of unity isn't whether or not the vulnerable even deserves whatever it gets, but the question is, are you ready to be part of the body of Christ in a way that you are saying yes to the Holy Spirit's work in you, eager to protect the body from harm and shame, no matter what. Verse 31 shows us, but now, uh, where is it? Uh, there it is. But earnestly desire the greater gifts. In other words, as you, as you look at your gifts, you should be looking at the higher gifts, the ones that have less honor, and seeing them as a true gift, not as a curse that has come down upon you because now it's affecting your life. And now I show you a more excellent way. And what's that just before? That's just before chapter, what, 13, which we call the what chapter? Love chapter. The love chapter. The gifts are worthless if they don't bring unity. The better way is what the unity really is. And what is this unity? The better way is the unity, and the better way is love. As you exercise the gifts that you have as a member of the body of Christ, though that exercising of your gifts should be producing more and more love in our church, between each other, care for each other, protection. Uh, for each other because we care for each other that young man back in Toledo uh, there are men that have done a lot worse and I let it go, why? because I like them do you understand what I'm saying? we have family that does things <clears throat> And we let it go, or we cover it, or we're gracious about it, because they're family. We love them. We know what they're trying to do. We get, you know, they may have said it a certain way that we may not have liked, but we know it's mom. This is how mom is, or this is how dad is, and I love them. And I get what they're trying to say, and I don't, you know, maybe they didn't say it the way I wanted them to say it to me, but, they, but they're dead. I give them a pass, because I love them. In fact, if someone tries to say something bad about what my dad said, I'm going to cover them and protect them. Do we have that kind of love for each other? Kind of love for our church, those that have been given positions of vulnerability. That's the hard word of unity in the church 
Because everyone has a gift, and you're expected to use it to love each other with it. So that as the Holy Spirit speaks, Jesus is Lord to the rest of us. That speech is heard and loved because we're seeing it through your gifts. And you're using those gifts for the unity of our church and not to promote yourself or your cause. So that is a challenge to me. I hope it's a challenge to you. Um, It is a difficult passage because a lot of times we just get really excited about what the gifts are specifically and we spend all the time on it and we forget what the whole reason of these gifts are for. So I hope uh, the Holy Spirit is working in that and I hope the Holy Spirit works as we go to the service that he breaks our heart before God's word as Andrew speaks God's word to us. Let us hear that Jesus is Lord and not us. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are grateful to you because you are a great God who gives gifts. You give us the Holy Spirit that he might uh, give in us gifts that we might be able to love each other and find unity in our church. You've given us the gift of your Son that we might even have life as we were formerly dead. And Lord, we pray for um, that kind of thankfulness as we go into the service, that we might worship you with a thankful heart because you have given us more than we deserve. And we are continue, we continue to get gifts, Lord. We pray for your blessing over this service that we might worship you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.